Hello there. You are listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. My name is Will Love, and I'm the girls' basketball coach in Sandpoint. The purpose of this podcast is to talk about coaching basketball and to grow and celebrate the game in Idaho. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email me at idahobasketballcoachingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Coaching Idaho. Now, let's talk some basketball. fortunate to have Adam Rankin on today's podcast. Rankin is the head boys coach at North Star Charter School in Eagle. A true basketball junkie, Rankin is entering his fourth year guiding the Huskies and has experience coaching girls and at the youth level. Coach Rankin, thanks for talking some hoops with us today. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. Thanks for having me. Super excited to talk to you. First off, you know, this is the first time that we've gotten to actually like speak except for stuff on uh, on Twitter, but I was wondering if you could just tell me about your basketball experience and then also how that got you to North Star Charter School. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I played basketball my whole life. Um, grew up in Boise, Idaho. I'm from Boise, Idaho. Um, attended Boise High, played basketball at Boise High. After high school, played uh, at a junior college called Foothill College in Los Altos Hills, California. Did that for about one year. After that, I had every intention of still playing, but being away from home, being away from Idaho, I was just so homesick being a young kid, really just wanted to get back. So I thought I would transfer to TVCC. So I came home after spending about spending the summer and thinking about it. I just decided, you know, I really uh, didn't want to make any decisions just based upon basketball anymore. Really wanted to uh, just kind of focus on academics. So uh, I had a lot of friends go, that had gone up to the University of Idaho, um, and I had visited there and loved it, decided I wanted to uh, go to Idaho. So I went there. Uh, I did have the opportunity to walk on. Um, they asked me to walk on. Uh, I'm about 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, so opportunities to play weren't uh, that difficult for me to find. There's always opportunities. But kind of do, going through some personal individual workouts at the University of Idaho and seeing how much time they spent um, I really just wanted to focus on my academics. So, you know, finished up my degree at University of Idaho, went to law school, but still just really passionate about the game and love the game. I ended up playing in a, uh, in a really high level league in Portland, Oregon, and always just kept playing for fun, uh, kind of on my own terms. And uh, so played in a league there called the International Basketball League. I always looked for uh, coaching opportunities that I could do too. Um, so I had coached uh, my nephew in some wide ball leagues and things like that, just really lower level, you know, youth things. And then while I was in Portland, there was a uh, school close by to me called Catlin Gable that needed a JV coach. And a guy that I played with named Brandon Houghton uh, asked if I would be available to coach. So I coached that. And then, uh, and then my career took me back to Idaho. So I just really wanted to get, uh, so came back to Idaho, wanted to get back in the game and started coaching my son. Uh, my son's youth team, and then an opportunity opened up at North Star to coach. So, ended up uh, coaching their JV girls for one year, and then uh, the boys coach left and took over the uh, boys varsity position. So I've been uh, at the school. This will be my fifth year, fourth year coaching the boys varsity. So that's a little bit about my uh, background. So obviously, you like the coaching aspect. What about it? Uh, what about coaching draws you in? A couple of different things. One, I just love the game. I just takes it's just uh, 
uh, it's always been very therapeutic for me, really just going in and forgetting about what's going on in life, what you know, what, what you might have going on off the court and just dialing it in, you know, uh, living in the present, you know, for an hour and a half with no or two hours or however long you're in the gym at a time. And uh, so I just really, really like that. And then coaching and and uh, the things that go along with that, you know, is relationships, the amount of people that you are able to uh, come across in sports is just so much different in such a different environment. It's just so unique. You don't get that anywhere else. And then really the ability to impact young people's lives in a positive way. There's just nothing else like it. So uh, I, I love coaching and uh, just love the game of basketball. So. Yeah, you bring up some great points, and those are definitely some reasons why I'm in it. I, I like uh, you bringing up the idea of how therapeutic it is. There's nothing like that two hours that you get to spend in the gym. As you said, it gets you uh, in the present. You got to focus on that. You don't need to worry about other things. And it's been especially fun uh, the few times that we've been able to get into the gym this summer. So my next question for you is, what have you guys been doing this summer? I saw a cool photo of your players with uh, masks on and stuff like that. What have you been able to do this summer? Yeah, so um, the summer, this summer in this environment, you know, is really difficult for uh, many different reasons. Uh, mainly because of the uncertainty, you know, and the lack and not being able to plan and, and just really not having solid information about uh, what's safe, what's not safe, how to best do things and what we can and can't do and that type of thing. So um, I think we started, so we started June 1st and we intentionally started a little later than we would have uh, due to, you know, concerns of the virus. I guess the community spread at that point, you know, schools had shut down. So we kind of really started later than we would have otherwise to kind of let things settle down. Uh, and then as Boise moved, as the Ada County area moved through phases. So we thought June 1st was the best time to start. So we started June 1st and we limited it to more individual skill work as everybody was doing, trying to follow guidelines that are being put out to deal with the situation. We uh, ended up playing some summer games that were hosted um, by a couple of different schools. And it seemed like there are some schools doing more games than others. It just depended upon uh, each districts or each schools, you know, what was going on in their area. And uh, so we were able to play a couple games for the first couple weeks. And then after that, kind of everybody stopped playing. We kept going. My, our school board came down with a requirement that North Star high school students would be required to wear masks when school started, when they weren't social distancing. So we were asked to wear masks when we, uh, at times that we couldn't social distance to when we were engaged in play. And so we didn't really have a choice about that, you know, as if we we're going to keep playing, we we're going to, you know, put on masks. And so, you know, I've been following this thing and trying to be educated about it and how it's going to impact things. And so, you know, I thought, Hey, if this is something that we can do, put on masks and we can keep playing and folks are going to be supportive of us doing that. And, uh, you know, if it's going to uh, anything we could do to, to get back on the court and keep our players safe, you know, we I, I, I kind of bought into it. So we had a, uh, a dad on our team donate some masks, um, donated uh, enough masks for everybody to have about two of them and uh, try to get some that were breathable, you know, that the players folk would feel comfortable playing in. And uh, so, you know, how the players mass up and uh, and we've still been playing, 
you know. So we're, we're uh, still playing up to this point, but we're uh, about to shut it down for the summer as the kids get ready to, to go back to school. So. All right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's been great to be able to give kids those opportunities. I know your kids are probably like mine that they've been relishing or just jumping at the opportunity to get in the gym and, and, and do some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so tough just uh, uh, with not having anything else going on and, you know, not being able to do very much. So it's, it's, it's been great for the kids. So first uh, coach at a charter school that we've had on and also, you know, first uh, coach at a smaller school that we've had on. So I was just wondering if you could tell us exactly how your program works. Uh, do you have a feeder program? Uh, what about your facilities? Just take us through uh, kind of how that works. Yeah, so I appreciate you having uh, having me on and I definitely offer a different perspective than a lot of uh, what you'll see from other coaches around the area because we are so unique and so different. So we're a K through 12 school. So um, the school has students from the kindergarten level all the way through uh, the high school till they graduate. So you could actually stay at North Star Charter School um, for your entire uh, elementary, middle school and academic or and high school academic careers. So uh, that's very unique. So we all share the same space. We all share the same building. Um, we have a gym. Um, it's kind of a bigger gym and it's got a net that drops down. Uh, that can divide the court into two different courts. Um, but we share that with the uh, middle school. And so that's kind of the facility aspect of it. So yeah, that's kind of, that, uh, that's how we're set up. I think some other things that are important to note is, you know, we're a 1A school. We're very small. This, the high school student population is very small. But we neighbor huge schools. I mean, we're, we're right next to Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain's right down the street. Uh, we're right next to Eagle High School. Um, so we're a smaller community within a bigger environment, I guess. And what happens is, is our school, we, it's, it's challenging to keep our students there. Um, we have a very, very um, much, much more academically challenging environment than you'll see at Eagle and you'll see at Rocky. And so students know that if they um, transfer out, a lot of the stress that they're, that's on them for academics and and things like that, they know that they can transfer out and it's going to be a lot easier. Uh, so we do face students transferring out. Um, I think there's about 45 freshmen that enroll in the high school, somewhere about that number every year. By the time they graduate, it's been about 20 students. So we're losing students from freshman to senior year, which is really difficult. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, with the uh, high academic standards there, you'd probably lose some students to that. But do you also lose some athletes? Because I don't know, maybe they think that, hey, let's give this a try at Rocky Mountain or Eagle or, or, or someplace else. We do. Yeah, we uh, a lot of our kids. Um, so basketball is one of the only we have sports that aren't offered at North Star. Or, I mean, so soccer isn't offered at North Star. Um, football isn't offered at North Star. So they can go play those sports at the school that they, I guess, district that they live in or whatever, or like their home school, which basically ends up being usually Eagle High. So you'll have um, kids that play soccer at Eagle High, but go to North Star, play basketball for me. You'll have athletes that play football at Eagle High, but play basketball for me. You know, and what happens is they, is they have relation, they develop relationships there um, with kids from that area 
and you will lose them more from a relation from a relationship side is that you know they want to go over there because maybe soccer is their primary sport you know maybe that's their passion and they want to be closer to the kids that are over there they have friends there and you know and then they offer different things that we can't offer they offer more electives you know we're a smaller school so it's just there's there's just a lot of different reasons why that an eagle or like a rocky mountain could be end up being um, more attractive to some of our students i guess uh you know school school choice right and so that's right school um, of choice school choice very good <laughs> Yeah. So do you guys have a JV team? How does that kind of work as far as your numbers each year? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of positives about being smaller. And some of those are, uh, we do have a JV team. I don't cut anybody. So I generally don't cut anybody. I will take anybody that comes out. Um, And we'll generally have what we've been seeing for the last couple of years is between 15 to 18 players, depending on the season. So it's basically just enough to have two teams. I mean, it's like too many players to have one team, but not quite as many as you might like to have two teams, Uh, which is great uh, because all of the players get game time experience. And then uh, I also get to know them a lot more than I would um, in a bigger program. So we practice together. We have a JV team, but we practice together. My JV coach, as is it sometimes acting as an assistant varsity coach in practice. But so I really get my hands on all the players for all four years. So, which is really nice. You get to develop uh, um, relate longer relationships with them. You get to know them a little better. Um, you become a little tight knit for the ones that stay. And then you really have an opportunity to develop the ones that stay for a longer period of time yourself versus uh, other coaches in, in your program doing it, you know, as they feed up, I guess. Uh, so, you know, obviously a lot of positives and that, that sounds good. What are some things that can be kind of difficult uh, at a small school? You know, so the difficulty is having enough numbers, you know? Um, so it, it, it's always, you know, not ha- like in a summer program, not having enough kids to go and do something that you want to do. Um, not having, not having as broad of a set of a pool of kids to draw from to make you more competitive. Uh, so basically things surrounding, surrounding numbers, um, is probably the main thing I would say. Is there any time limits that the school puts on you or any other kind of things that they do because you are so academically oriented? Um, you know, that yes. I would say like, it's kind of an understanding that academics comes first, but you know, I'm a big supporter of that. Um, you know, my, we're, I'm a big supporter of academics and I think about my own son and I definitely want him, you know, we're a basketball family, but under, I understand the importance of academics. And uh, I would say our coaching staff is probably one of the most staff in the state. Um, as I said, I have a lot of grief. My assistant coach, um, is a professor at Boise State and is a PhD. Um, and so we both value education. So we really don't waste any time. You know, like when we're in the gym, we understand that, that these guys are busy and we're going to go ahead and get to work and uh, get in and get out. But uh, so, so I would say, you know, there's an understanding that academics is going to come first, but really I think that's what it should be in all schools. And, uh, and so there really isn't any issues with it. I see it as a positive. All right. Um, so 
you were talking about this, uh, about how you've got, um, you have the ability to work with these kids for four years and start to build these relationships. So what are some things that you do to build team chemistry? Yeah, I think this is the most important part of my program is really uh, building team chemistry and the culture. Um, I think it's more important than anything that we could do on the court, the X's and O's in regards to uh, developing our program and being competitive. Uh, so I'm really big on team culture and really big on chemistry. Uh, some of the specific things that we do is uh, probably the, t the, the three main things that we do is, is things that will, so these three things are things that I think will develop, help the players develop relationships with one another. Okay. Um, to help us get to know each other and help us build relationships. So we do uh, player interviews. So I require all my players to interview each other. Um, we do team dinners. Um, I give, and then I give my um, players uh, a card with our thing, a player card. I give each play, player a player card with different themes and things that I want them to focus on throughout the year. So starting with the first one, player interviews, you know, it's amazing to me having kids that have gone to school with each other for multiple years and they don't know each other. Okay. So I like at the beginning, I'll say, okay, when I get a freshman, how long have you been at North Star? Oh, I've been at North Star since fifth grade or something, you know? Okay. So you've been here for four years. Da, da, da. Do you know this person? You're not. Yes. I know that person. Okay. It's like, you know, tell me one thing about them. They really don't know their classmates really well. Like, and some of them do, you know, like some of them, they'll form cliques and they know each other, but I mean, some of them don't. And so really just getting to know each other through interviewing them, you know, do you have a pet? Uh, what are they? Uh, how long, what's the longest you've had a pet? What type of music are you interested in? Who's your favorite music artist? You know, those kind of things you go through, you really get to know things about somebody that you wouldn't otherwise know. And you can kind of really respect their viewpoint and where they're coming from. So that's one of the things. Another thing that we do is on the player card. So uh, I'm a big proponent of uh, Mike Krzyzewski's uh, five principles of teamwork. And so we preach that just over and over and over. Um, I expect all of my kids to, to memorize the five um, principles of teamwork. And uh, the five principles of teamwork are uh, communication, trust, care, collective responsibility, and pride. And the way that Mike Krzyzewski describes it is you can think of it as the five principles as a finger on a fist. And uh, each finger represents one of the principles. And as you close the fist, as you close the fingers and you bring them together, or you close the hand, you form a fist. And, the, and at, when they're all spread out and they're not, and the uh, fingers aren't closed, it's not really impactful. But when you bring it all together, you form a fist, you know, the fist is, is, is uh, much mightier bringing it all together. Okay, so, so we really uh, preach that. We talk about those words. We talk about communication. We talk about uh, trust. You know, we talk about caring for each other, collective responsibility and pride. And then really just try to go the extra mile in, uh, in applying those uh, principles of teamwork. And I feel like uh, it leads to a much more enjoyable experience for everybody. Um, everybody gets to know each other. Everybody uh, respects each other. Everybody cares for each other. And uh, it creates a very welcoming environment, you know, uh, towards everybody where uh, people feel welcome. They're happy to come. The other thing that we do, we do is we, we focus a lot on touches. 
there was a study done um, regarding the number of touches that the high fives and fist bumps that players do in a certain in a game and whether it leads to a competitive advantage. And that study basically said, yes, it does. Uh, the number of touches that players have in a, in a, in a game in competition leads to more competitiveness. And uh, they, they looked at Steve Nash and he's averaging like something like 240 fist bumps or touch, touches with his teammates. So we really encourage that, you know, like my players, I, we, I expect them when they come into the gym to go around and greet everybody with a touch, you know, give them a fist bump when they come in the gym, before they leave the gym, before they leave each other's presence, go and give them a touch. So we think that that leads to um, more improved teamwork. You know, so, and then again, like team dinners, trying to provide an environment off of the court uh, for them to socialize and interact uh, with each other. So, you know, again, this is one of the reasons I got into coaching was to build relationships with, with my players. I want them to build relationships with me. I want them to build relationships with each other. And it's really one of the things that makes the, uh, the game so great to be around is developing those relationships. So, so something that we, we really focus on and uh, we've, uh, um, we really uh, enjoy and think it's uh, uh, something that we can do that helps us sustain a program and make us more competitive. No, I think those are some great points. And uh, that idea of building community, building family, you know, that's a, that's a great a great part of coaching. You know, obviously there's the X's and O's and that can be cool. But once you kind of move and do that relationship building, it can be huge. One of the things that we do in our program at the beginning of the year, especially with the varsity kids, is we have the kids write basically, it could be a paragraph, it can be a page, but explaining why they are playing basketball. And right. so and so one of the big things that you know I tell the kids is I don't want to hear what you think I want to hear. I want to, I want your reason because we want to share that so that if you want to play college basketball, your teammates can help you out. If you're just right. here to have a good time, all right, to do something during the winter because it's uh, dark and, and gloomy in Sandpoint, then, you know, you, the girls know they can help you out. So I think that's a, that's a huge, huge part of building that community is, is, is getting people to understand the why. Why are you there? And I do the same thing. I, I explain my, my why so they know, okay, this is why he's here. Yeah, so we do that. We do the exact same thing. You know, I'm a firm believer. The two things that I focus on off the court is teamwork. Uh, uh, there's probably three three things that we focus on: teamwork, positivity, and then I focus as a coach on grit. Okay, so um, making sure that my how how can I get my players to be more gritty, and that's one of the things that I focus on to to coach my players to have grit is exactly what you said is. I like my players to think about every single thing they're doing before they're doing it. And you know, this gets into having kids of high character and on the academic side is really getting, starting to think critically. And uh, what you said, your why is, we, you know, we call it purpose, right? So I have them um, talk this, the same thing is in setting the goals and setting goals before the season. Okay. Thinking about what we're doing is why are you doing this? What is your purpose being here? You know? So, you know, most of them have a bigger purpose of coming out for the basketball team than what might be readily apparent. You know, there's some reason why they wanted to vote this time. I like them to think about it. I like them for, to search for that answer. 
and then to write it down, put it on paper, you know, and then constantly refer to it. Like, are you taking steps to meet your purpose? You know, like, are you taking steps to meet your goal? You know, like what, what, and then breaking it down. Like, what can you do on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, as we go through the season, really to, uh, to meet that bigger purpose? So, so yeah, that, that what, what you describe, I think, is absolutely uh, essential and, and great for the kids to do. One of the things that we kind of, I don't know, uh, might have gotten away from on this podcast is that we've been really, especially the last few weeks, like highlighting uh, programs that are winning state championships or competing for state championships. And uh, on the other hand, you know, as many, uh, uh, as few teams as that do that, there's the other teams that, <laughs> that you know, have struggling seasons. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, and I've, I've been there, you know, I've, I've had some, some really bad seasons uh, when it comes to wins and losses. So right. what are some ways that you found that a coach can make the experience of a losing series? Uh, I'm sorry, a losing season, a learning experience. Right. Yeah. You know, and that, I sure do appreciate you having me on because, you know, I'm not a state championship coach, right? I have not won a state championship. I, I, my, my record overall is, I have a losing record. You know, I do not believe that makes me a bad basketball coach at all. And so, you know, it, it's really hard to judge high school basketball coaches, you know, on their winning loss, uh, you know, percentage. And I think there's, you know, a lot of great coaches out there that uh, have been coaching for a number of period of years. And, you know, I think uh, I, I watched your podcast. I listened to it with Ryan Lundgren. And uh, I think he said, it's not about the Johnny's and the Joe, it's not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Johnny's and the Joe's. And he was trying to describe, he was describing his experiences at Valley View talking about, you know, a lot of his winning really had to do with the athletes that he had, you know, in high school basketball makes such a big difference, you know, on the, the winning and losing of, of the players that you have and working with what you have. You know, I would say part of losing, you really have to have a growth mindset in order to lose. Okay. People fear losing. All right. I've talked to coaches that have coached at a school for five or six years and they can see for the next four years, they do not have any athletes that are going to allow them to win and they want to quit. Okay. Which is fine. That's their personal, uh, that's how they want to go about doing it. They're afraid to, afraid to lose. They don't view the uh, experience as being pleasurable. And so, you know, they want to protect their record. They want to leave schools. They want to do whatever. Um, and, and I respect that at the same time, you know, I, I think that high school sports, it has to be recognized that the goal of high school sports cannot be winning and losing. Okay. The high school, the, the experience of high school sports is developing, uh, um, high character young men and preparing them to become men and to become champions on and off the court. And, uh, you know, losing is tough and it, uh, it's, it's definitely a lot harder than winning, but you know, it doesn't have to be. It, the the end goal of if you lose you shouldn't if you fail okay if you lose that you you should quit all right uh, and that's really getting at uh, what the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset all right and so I mean I think uh, you know I watched a, a YouTube video by Chris Beard I, I saw it on Twitter by the Texas coach Texas Tech head coach and man he 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 had a big loss and they interviewed him like right after the game and he talked about losing and how to lose, I think, in one of the best ways that I've ever seen anybody talk about in a one-minute clip. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, I would definitely encourage them to watch it. But 
you know, one of the, the question that was posed to him was coach lost. Okay. Big loss to a team that you're going to see again. Okay. Are, how are you going to change what you're doing so that this doesn't happen again? All right. And then, and this is the, this is what people think of when they lose. They think, Hey, you lost. What are you going to do differently? What are you going to change? And you know, his, his answer was, I think just, just right on point. It said, we're not changing anything. You know, we're staying the course. We're sticking to the process. We're sticking to what we do. And then he talked about, well, what is that course? What is that process? And it's pretty much the same, whether you're not, not you're at a winning team or you're on a losing team, you know, and he describes the process as uh, winning the day. You wake up in the morning, focus on winning the day. Uh, treat, eat, eat right. Uh, treat your body right. Don't drink the soda, drink the water, drink the milk. Okay. If you're a basketball player, get in the gym, put some shots up, work on your game individually. Okay. Get in the weight room, pay attention in class. You know, so the, these, these things are universal. What, no matter what program you're at, the process stays the same. And that's what, and that's what North Star is. And they say, you know, and, that, and, and that's included with North Star. You know, what we're doing is the same as anybody else. You know, even when we don't win any games or, or win as many games, it's the, it's the same process. And it's really trying to, but, but losing's hard and it's trying to get the players to understand, to, to not back away from challenges. You know, you're challenged, you lose, you fail, you come up short. It, it's part of the process. And they say losing is learning. And just because we lost, it doesn't mean that we change anything that we're doing. Okay. It doesn't mean that you're, uh, that you're a bad basketball player. It just means, hey, we came up short this time. We're learning. It's part of the process, and we're getting better. So uh, really kind of uh, – and then referring back to your purpose. What is your purpose? You know. So I think really the whole – from the second I get the players from the first meeting, it's preparing them for that. It's preparing them for adversity. It's preparing them to, to understand what we're doing and what's important to us. And the wins and losses, yes, are important. We want to win. But it's not the end-all, be-all. Yeah, you, you several good points there. And I think one of the things that kind of gets lost in our culture these days is that, you know, we see the end results a lot of times. Like, you know, I, I know you like Duke basketball. We get to see them a lot. But, you know, we didn't get to see them those four years that Coach K really struggled uh, when he first got there, you know, and there was calls for him to uh, to be fired. And so kind of my point being is that all these things take time. And a lot of these coaches that I've talked to that have been successful, it wasn't something that just happened overnight, you know, like they've been in their system for a long, long time. They've been working on it. And early on, they probably had some of those struggles, but uh, they kept that course as you talked about and were able to uh, uh, enjoy uh, the results but it was a few years later instead of kind of that instantaneous that um, we can see Absolutely. a lot of times. So, 100%, yep. Can you tell me a little bit about the youth program that you've started and how that's kind of incorporating some of these thoughts that you've been talking about? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so when, uh, when I first went to North Star, I was coaching my, I was coaching my son's third grade uh, competitive basketball team. So my son played hoop dreams as a second grader, um, going into third grade, I thought, you know, we could pull, uh, some, t some kids that I knew from, from, uh, sons of different dads that I knew we could pull a team together and just kind of do our own thing. And it would offer some benefits by doing it, uh, that way. So I did that for my son's third grade team. This was before I was at North star. Then when I went over to North star, 
I saw a, an opportunity to do it on a bigger level and incorporate North Star kids. So basically developed a uh, competitive kids basketball cl uh, club that plays against different clubs in our area. We play against Boise Slam, you know, the bigger, the bigger clubs, Idaho Hoop Dreams, uh, up-tempo out of Nampa, you know, et cetera. Um, club has been comprised of about 50% of North Star kids. So there isn't quite enough kids from North Star to make it, you know, solely North Star kids, but uh, probably about 50% of the kids in the club have been North Star kids. So, uh, you know, it's definitely going to benefit the North Star basketball program because we're so small. If you get even one or two or three, you know, one or two kids every grade that have some experience playing basketball, I mean, that just makes a huge difference in, in what we do. So hopefully, you know, these players that, that develop through that program, you know, there'll be one or two that consistently hit as they rise up. But, you know, I have three young boys. I have a son uh, going into seventh grade, a son going into fifth grade, and a son going into third grade. You know, I don't think the coaches that don't have kids uh, care as much about the younger kids as the ones that do have kids. And I, I, I mean, I think they care, but it's just, it takes so much time and so much work to put something together like what we've put together um, with team approach that a lot of programs shy away from it. But, uh, you know, I really think that every high school should have a club feeder program. That's just my personal opinion. You know, I mean, we, we have one gym and we got middle school and high school sports, boys and girls running out of it. And we still find time in the gym, okay, to put uh, club teams in it. And so for bigger schools that have three gyms, I just can't see how they don't have enough space to do that. And then the, and then the, the coaches at the high school have so much basketball knowledge and so much to offer that um, they can just be an incredible resource for the younger kids. And so, so yeah, I'm a big proponent of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have space to run it for all kids, you know, for all grades. I've had to limit the number of grades that I could do. Um, but, you know, Cody Pickett, he used to coach. He was the former boys coach at North Star. Now I take an old Eagle High Boys program, which is very close to North Star, and he's doing just that. He started a club called Mustang Basketball Club for third through eighth graders, and so I sent my third grader over there to try out for his program, and I think uh, my third grader is going to play in the Mustang Basketball program he's uh, putting together. So, you know, it, 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 the younger kids are a lot of fun. I coach I coach 19 fifth graders, so uh, the kids going into fifth grade, I coach my middle son's team. And it's great. You know, you get to you get more. You get to be on the court more. Uh, you get to to be in touch with what's going on in club basketball. I see different players around the gym. I get to see a lot more games because I'm already there for uh, coaching that. And so, um, been a great overall experience. It, it has been a ton of work, though. I mean, I've sp I spend. You know, I'm in the gym coaching my high school team. And then a couple times a week, they leave, and I'm coaching my fifth grade team. I'm spending time coaching my uh, high school varsity team on game days and then turning around and going and coaching, you know, my fifth graders. Um, so it's definitely a lot of work, but it, it, it's, you know, been very rewarding watching uh, younger kids grow. A good point there that you made. I mean, obviously, this is awesome for the kids, and uh, it should be about the kids. But I think, you know, uh, something that you bring up is that idea of coaches getting reps, you know. And so with you helping out with these younger teams, like you said, it gets you in the gym. You're watching games. You're coaching more games. And that can be something that can really improve, as a, uh, improve you as a coach is just getting, getting those reps. 
Coach, what what are you trying to do on offense? What's uh, what what do you do with the kids uh, there at North Star? Um, I will have some kids that enter their freshman year and they just started playing basketball in eighth grade. So there's a wide range of talent. Some of them are, of course, more experienced and have been playing a lot longer. Being as small as we are, we will take players that have very little experience. So offensively, one of the most important things that I think we're doing is really trying to teach spacing on team concepts of understanding spacing, understanding, you know, not being so close to one of your teammates where a defender can guard both of you at once. So that's one of the main things that we were doing. We focused a lot on uh, pick and rolls. We really, uh, we attack from the outside. But, you know, ultimately what I do is I, I try to make it fun for the kids, you know. Like I, I, uh, I really want to coach the way that I wanted to be coached. Um, so I really try to uh, coach in a manner that, that isn't too restrictive because that's how I wanted to be coached. Um, so we do a lot of different things offensively. We've, at, we've even um, experimented with the Grinnell system. We've looked at that. We've done it for a couple games. We, I had all my JV players kind of came up and, uh, you know, set, put them in platoons where you got this five is the first platoon, next five is the second platoon, and this one's the third platoon. And we're subbing every minute and a half. And we're going full bore for a minute and a half. And we ended up scoring – I think the first time we did it, the kids were just all pumped up to do it. And uh, they came out and won 97 to 33. You know, we called off the press in the second half. And uh, they're still just um, playing really, really fast. I kind of stopped coaching because from a sportsmanship standpoint, I didn't want to run up the score anymore. But we definitely could have broken had a, had I kept coaching and had we not called anything off, we definitely could have broken the Idaho high school state scoring record, you know, in that game. So we do a, we do a couple of different things. I mean, we, we focus on transition, on transitioning from uh, defense to offense, trying to get easy looks. You know, a lot of people focus so much on the X's and O's, and I feel like, you know, sometimes 60% of your baskets just come from transition off of junk, you know, and you're spending 80% of your practice uh, on a half court offense, you know, so we try to focus on fundamental pr- principles um, on where to be on the court and how to work with your teammates. Yeah, I, th- I think those are some good points. And it might seem kind of counterintuitive when you have kids that uh, aren't as experienced with the game. But one of the things that I've found and one of the things that we do in Sandpoint, because, you know, we're starting to get to the point where we got kids that have played a lot of basketball. But before, we kind of just opened things up and kept it uh, easy for them so that they didn't have to really think a lot. And then also we were able to focus on just, you know, okay, this is how you get past the, your defender, all right? And, uh, you know, you want to swing the basketball. Just some easy concepts so that they weren't bogged down, I guess, that paralysis by analysis. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And from a teaching standpoint, it's like last year I didn't have any seniors. All right, so I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be a rebuild. This is a rebuilding year, you know. So how can I best prepare them for next year? And, you know, give, I feel like letting them learn how to read and react on their own a little bit, having the leeway to make some decisions. It's like they're going to learn how to play, how to, how to do that versus I'm telling them go here, go there, go there. This is where you're doing and just being a robot, I think, you know, helps build dividends for the future so that now when we are, in a totally competitive environment. They're a little more prepared. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that games-based approach that, you know, we've had some coaches talk about on this podcast, uh, for kids that haven't played a whole lot, you need to put them in those positions. That's the way that they're going to learn, not necessarily you and I saying, okay, do this, do this, do this. It's like figuring it out. Okay, this worked. This didn't work. So next time I'm going to use the thing that did work. Right. So uh, let's see here. What are some things that you do to teach the kids some spacing? So exactly what you just described. I mean, we play a lot. You know, uh, we uh, we do a lot of de- we incorporate defensive drills while we teach it. We do a lot of four on five, um, so the kids can learn help side defense while we're practicing. You know, attacking from whatever offense that we're running a five out dribble and drive or whatever we're doing. Um, learning how to move without the ball. So doing uh, just different uh, it, uh, drills, you know, two-on-one drills, three-on-two drills, four-on-three drills, five-on-four drills, and then five-on-five, you know, pr- probably is, is what we concentrate our time on to, to work that. Yeah, We I, do, we do oh, and okay. roll work. We do uh, screen and roll drills on different options on, on how to execute a screen and roll. Um, so we try to break it down into smaller pieces, but then also, you know, let them learn by, by playing as we work through defensive principles as well. All right. Um, I got a couple more questions for you. I really appreciate your time. What are some of those key defensive concepts that you teach the kids? So we focus on, uh, understanding what's going on in the court, not just guarding your guy. Um, you know, a lot of help learning how to play team defense, all right, shell drill, um, like I said, five on four. So getting, getting the players used to not just guarding their guy, but guarding the, the ball. Uh, learning how, you know, using a pack line defense, uh, the, the strengths of using a pack line defense versus extending out. I mean, communication is one of the things that we constantly are trying to, uh, to do, you know, from the second they, they come into our program, it's, it's something that we're always focusing on. And again, just playing as a team. I, uh, last question for you. Uh, I saw your kids got to go to the coach K camp. What was that experience like for them? Life changing. I mean, life changing for them. Life change. My wife took them life changing for my wife. My, my wife's dad is a pilot. So my wife loves to travel. And so we saw an opportunity to send our kids over there to North Carolina, which is basically, you know, a whole other world from Idaho. And uh, just an amazing opportunity for my boys to, to go over there. Uh, they met Coach K. Uh, they got to hear Grace and Allen talk. They've gone, my, my older son's gone two years. One year he played with Shane Battier's kid. Um, they've played with the Duke's assistant coach's kids there. You know, the what Duke has done and the knowledge that Coach K has put out is unparalleled. And hearing from somebody with that much knowledge and a passion for the game and the culture that he's instilled um, is just so motivated and life-changing. Uh, my kids are more aware of basketball from that area. North Carolina, hey, this is North Carolina. They have UNC right next to Duke. And you know, these, they got Wake Forest, Wake Forest is close by, you know, knowing uh, basketball from that other side of the world and then really seeing um, Coach K and 
the impact that he has had on young men and learning from him uh, has just been amazing, was amazing for them. All right. Well, that was a great experience. I've really appreciated having you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email me at idahobasketballcoachingpodcast at gmail.com.